morning, everybody. I'm Dave Nelson, a pastor here. If you're visiting and say, again, thanks so much. Um, real quick, before we jump in, I see many beautiful, ugly people. Would you guys, anybody who actually wore, yeah, well, you're not ugly, but your sweaters are. If anybody wore your ugly sweater today, go ahead and stand up, all you Christmas ugly sweater people. Give it up for our Christmas ugly sweater people. Way to go. Thank you. I apologize. I, every year, I always wear my ugly sweater, which is my Detroit Lions uh, Christmas sweater. And the cool thing about wearing that is it gets uglier every year. So, and I just didn't want to dominate the competition this year. So, um, but thank you again so much for being here. So that little video there, talk about some ugliness. Um, we're talking about power today. We're talking about the mighty today. And interesting, right? The big bird had power literally just because of its weight and its girth and it, so it could take every, all the little birds down. But then the little birds had intellectual power. And so they're working to take that guy down as well. And all this action is powering people down, which eventually ends up really ugly, <laughs> It just does. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about. If you have some power. So let me just ask you a question. How many of you in here are parents? If you're a parent, go ahead and raise your hand. Wow, a lot of power in this room. A lot of power. How many of you actually oversee somebody? You actually, uh, people actually report to you in some way or fashion. Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, again, a lot of power. Would you go ahead, if you're either a parent, if you just rose your hand, if you're a parent, or if you actually oversee somebody else, would you go ahead and just stand up with me? Everybody who just rose your hand, go ahead and stand up. All right. Christmas is for you. Christmas is for you. Every one of you who are standing up, the celebration of this season, and I'm standing too, is for me, and it's for you. Now, Everybody else, go ahead and stand up because when you have power or you have position or rule, you actually, what you're doing is you actually have the ability to influence somebody else, to impact another person. And here's what we're going to learn today. Every one of you in this room actually has power. Every one of you in this room actually has the ability to influence another person and impact them. So Christmas is for you, all of us in this room, okay? So before I jump in, let's just pray, and let's ask God to meet us in this position. God, we come to you, the almighty God, Jesus. We're here to worship you because you are our creator, because you are the king of all kings, because you actually, when you rose from the dead, it says you're seated at the right hand of God with all far above all power and authority and rule and dominion. So we're going to ask you, Jesus, would you help us then, since you have power and authority, would you help us to know how as parents, how as leaders in our businesses or in our schools or wherever we're leading, and would you help every one of us, God, to know today, would you help Christmas? Why did you come? Help us with this power that you've given us so we can impact this world in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. I really do believe that Jesus has come, Christmas has come, so that he could actually empower us, empower you 
to be able to power people up instead of power people down. And so in Luke chapter 2, 11, uh, verses 11 and 12, this is kind of the beginning of the Christmas story, right? Today, the, the angels have appeared to the shepherds, and it says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, right off the bat, you have to understand, I actually, my devotional, you know, I'm sending you guys a devotional every Wednesday. You can get those on either Facebook or you can sign up on our app if you want to get those. This last week, I talked about the greatness of the manger. From Jesus' first breath, he was revealing something about his power as he lies in a manger, a feeding trough, the God of the universe. And he says he came to save us. And then he shows us right from the beginning what he wants, how he wants to save us and what he wants to save us into. Ephesians 2.8 says this, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. So here we are, all of us are out there buying gifts, we can't wait to give, and God goes, I have a gift for you, and I actually want to save you. A savior has been ordered, the angels are part in the sky and declaring the glory of the Lord that a savior has come. So when we say this whole series, there's a gift for all. The gift is salvation. God actually wants to save you. Now, in Luke chapter one, and this is kind of where we got the idea for this series, Mary is singing this song, right? The Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she's found out she's gonna give birth to the son of God, which would be freaking me out. So she sings this song, though, and in the midst of this song, and Derek touched on it last week, in verse 51, she says, God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. So we talked about yesterday. So think about, it. if God scatters the proud, then who needs a savior? The proud. <laughs> They're like, God's like, I'm actually against the proud, so I've come to save you from being proud. And then today he goes, and God has also brought down rulers from their thrones. <laughs> and what's interesting, the word ruler literally means to have power. It means to have authority. It means to have a position for where most of you actually rose up. And what, God, what Mary's singing is like, man, thank you, God, for coming because you're going to bring down the rulers. I don't know about you. I don't want to be brought down by God. Anybody else? So apparently, rulers need to be saved. Rulers needed Jesus to come. Now, what's interesting to me about this is why is God bringing down the rulers when God's the one who establishes rulers? Did you guys know that that's what he does? All through the Bible, God always has rulers. He always has people in positions of authority and power. Everything from Abraham and Moses and David, you just go through the Old Testament, God rose up leaders. In the New Testament, the church starts and he gives, puts elders, he appoints pastors and leaders and teachers and evangelists to elders over the church. They're actually supposed to be in positions of leadership. He actually established the family. <laughs> He's the one who came up with the idea that there should be moms and dads who actually have power and authority over their children. And then the government, in Romans 13, fascinating passage, it says, the authorities that exist have been established by God. When Pilate, when Jesus at the end of his life, he's standing before Pilate, and Pilate says, don't you realize I have power to crucify you? And what was Jesus' answer? 
you would have no power over me if it weren't given to you from above. So if you have any power, if you have any authority, anybody who does, God actually has established this idea of having rulers. So then why does he want to bring them down? Why does God bring down rulers? Because it all depends when you're in a position of authority, if you're powering people down or if you're powering people up. And you can power people up or leaders, and we've all had them, can bring us down. So here's our passage we're going to go from. So if, again, if you, if you want to follow along, if you have your program there, but also our app always has all the notes. If you want to go ahead and take some notes um, today, um, we're looking at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 35. And this is so great because most of us stood today. And so this is a message for every single one of us why Jesus came for us who are in positions of power. So let's start. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, came to Jesus, and they said, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can I just say right there, you should just stop? <laughs> I read that and I go, I just want to go, do you have any idea who you're talking to? You, son of God, <laughs> Messiah, do for us whatever we ask. What are they saying? Right off the bat, these guys are saying, we want to be in control. Jesus, you do what we say, even of Jesus. And I, I, I want to be honest with you. I'd be like, do you have any idea you're talking to? But look how Jesus responds. He goes, he just says, okay, what, what do you want me to do for you? I love him. He's not offended at all. It's kind of secure in his identity, actually. Yeah. And then the next verse, they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in, in your glory. Now, this is a heart for those of us who've been Christians, read the Bible for a while. We think that they were saying, when you rise from the dead and you're in heaven and you come back in your glory, no, uh, uh why, why, that's, why, that's not what they were thinking. They had no idea he was going to rise from the dead. They had, they had no idea he was going to be in his glory. What were they saying? See, they believed Jesus was the Messiah, and he was going to come, and he was going to rule. He was going to take down the Roman Empire and bring up the, Jews, the Israelites back into power. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we found the guy, and we want to sit at your right hand and your left. That's what they were saying, position of authority and rule and power. And so, um, and then verse 38, it says, and then Jesus answers them, sorry, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. You are clueless as to what a position of authority, rule, and power actually looks like in my kingdom. And then he says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. <laughs> These guys are, they're clueless. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm being baptized with. And basically what all Jesus is saying is the cup was always a symbol of suffering and usually the suffering at the hand of divine judgment. So basically well, he, he's like, do you guys, do you, do you want to be baptized with me? And they're like, yes. And he's like, oh, you, it's going to be suffering. And then he says, well, you guys are actually going to experience that. But then he says, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the 10, right, so these are two of the 12 disciples, they're like, man, we want to be in the top spots. Now the other 10 guys heard this. And so what? They become indignant. Like, oh, 
man, who are these guys? They're going to want the top spots. Now, why are they indignant? Because they want the top spots. They're clueless too. And Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. So let's talk about power down. What does power down look like? This is a very interesting thing. I don't do a lot of this, but this is a very interesting little Greek lesson for you guys. So when he says uh, the Gentiles lord it over, the word is katakurio. Okay, there you go. That's the Greek word, katakurio. But katakurio is actually a compound word. The main word is kurio, okay, which simply means to rule, to exercise influence upon, and to have power. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus actually, God actually sets up. He wants people to rule. He puts people in authority. He wants to, you to influence others. But the word kata is placed in, in front of it, and that word means down. The problem is, when you have rule, a position, or influence, and power, and if you use it down, Jesus says, then you need to be saved. You need to be rescued from that. Because if you do that, I'm taking you down. All right? And then the next word, very similar, kata exousio. The exousio simply means to have power or authority. And then again, the, the kata is there. And so it's, you do it downward. Basically, you guys, what you're doing is you're saying, you are for me <laughs> instead of I am for you. Now, here's what hit me, though. Um, why? Why do we do this? Why, why is there a problem with authority? And by the way, if you've ever studied the Roman Empire during the time of Jesus, whoa, it is horrible. Their power and authority was brutal. They would kill people at a whim if they just thought somebody was against them or if they even got a whiff that somebody was against them. Everything they did was to put them up. They were the emperor. They were the king. They were the god. Everybody was for them. And that was the culture that Jesus came into. And so how does it get to that point? And I don't know about you, again, because even in marriage, let's put marriage in here, okay? Any of you in here who actually dominate in your marriage? How does it get to the point where there's governmental or relational where things get abusive? How does it get to the point where somebody uses other people for their own ends? And so we're listening to this podcast right now uh, as a staff, many of us and other people I know too. It's called This Cultural Moment. Fascinating podcast. They're talking about how do we live as Christians in really a post-Christian era. And one of the things, we listened to this as a staff this week, <clears throat> one of the things they said that's most difficult in our culture today is isolation. People are just getting isolated more and more, and there's a problem of that. And then this guy explained this, and, and this was fascinating, so I just wanted to share this with you today because I'd, I'd never heard this before. And he said, you know, right from the beginning in Genesis chapter, at the very beginning of Genesis, when Eve is actually tempted, okay, and she's tempted and she lures in and she bites the apple, what is, where's Adam? Does anybody know where Adam is? Like, where is he? Where is he? He's right next to her. <laughs> He's right there. And what does he do? Nothing. 
nothing. There is an issue, and I'll say this, I think it's a human issue, but I'm gonna say even more so, it's a man issue. I have this issue. When I'm not tight with God, you know what happens? I get passive. Men tend to be passive. Now, what happens when you're passive, then you just kind of pull back and, and you stand and watch. So when you're passive, what that can lead to is objectivity. Because instead of actually being right in the life of other people, you sit back and you just kind of watch. And when you watch people from a distance and you're not actually in their life at all, you know what happens? This is, this is so true. You start judging them. It's really easy to judge people that you're not engaged with at all. And then the people actually can be just become objects to you. And that's what leads to the domination. So the people, whether it's a parent who's not actual, who's just passive, who's not actually engaged in their kids' lives at all, and then when something happens, you're like, Rah! and you just, you just rule, and you're ruining my day, and you're not making me happy, <laughs> and I'm not at peace, and we start dominating. And so if you're passive, if you stay back, people become objects. And when they're just objects to you, you can actually hurt them, and it doesn't really bother you. And that's when abuse starts to happen. That's when domination starts to happen. That's when you start lording it over other people. And Jesus is saying, you guys live in the Roman Empire, and you know what this is like. Not so with you. So what do we do? What's the opposite? Instead of being passive, you got to engage. you got to engage. you got to get in to people's lives. And what's amazing is, as soon as you get in someone's life, you share their life. And that is what empathy is. Empathy is when you're like, man, I feel what you're feeling. And then all of a sudden, when you start feeling what someone else is feeling, it can move you and it changes you, and then you serve. And now you actually serve. I remember this, and this is, I've shared this here before, but it's just, it was just such a powerful illustration for me, and it's embarrassing to say. So I really, in fact, it's really difficult because now I'm aware and so different. But when, anyway, when I grew up, I wasn't around anybody who had any type of handicap at all. And so when I got around somebody who had a handicap, I, I, I got passive, and I would just sit back. And I, and I never wanted to be a part of it because it just I didn't know what to do. And then when I was in my late 20s, I took a crew of people from our church back in Detroit to work at a camp, a Camp Barnabas, and we worked with uh, young kids who had spina bifida. And so all these kids actually were in wheelchairs. We'd pull up, and every, the camp's just filled with people in wheelchairs. And they're people who I had been passive from and been objectifying them. But as soon as I spent a week engaging with them, you know what happened? I started sharing their life. I shared Kenny's life. And he was such a cool kid. And yeah, I literally had to change him. I had to clean him when he went in his diaper. I had to clothe him. I had to help feed him, all that kind of stuff. 
And man, I want to tell you what was amazing is once I shared in his life and had the empathy, serving him was a joy. It was absolutely easy. So somehow, if you're in a position right now and you are a person who lords it over either your employees or your kids or anybody else. And by the way, I just want to say for all of you guys who are in high school here, there are, there are like, we have student leaders here at K2. This is super important for you. But I also know, like, in just in high school, you don't even have to have a position. All you have to do is be in the right crowd, right? And now you have power and authority and influence. This is so important for all of us. If we're going to get through this, we have to understand, where does this come from? And most of the time it comes from at its root, because I don't actually engage with other people. And I just keep my distance. And if I keep my distance, then I don't have to serve them. But I'm telling you, man, if you move in, it'll change. And that's what Jesus said. Not so with you. Don't power down on anybody. What's he say? Instead, power up. Power up. Mark 10, 43, 45. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you have power, you and I actually have the ability to power somebody up, to lift them up, and this is Jesus. So last night we were celebrating the birthday of one of our dearest friends, and we went to um, Mr., uh, 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 that's not the, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. How many of you have actually seen the movie so far? Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay, like two of you. Okay. Can I just say, I didn't really want to go either. Um, I don't know about you. I was a kid who grew up in the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood era. I hated that show. I just did. I'm like, I'm sorry. Don't hate me. But the little puppet, I'm like, man, give me Speed Racer and the Slee Stacks or something, you know, just... I just wasn't into Mr. Rogers. So I have a break. I, I, even now, it's like, hey, we're going to go see this movie. I'm like, all right. Be, wee, 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 you know? um, can I just say, if any of you missed that movie, you missed it. That movie was so much more than I was bargaining for. Fred Rogers rocked the world. And you know why he rocked the world? Because every person he saw, he engaged with them. That dude was not passive. He engaged and he saw in every person their value. Every one of them. And he loved them exactly where they were, which was super important. And the whole story is actually about him and just a guy, the influence he has on, a, on another man. It's an amazing journey. That's powering up. And you guys, this was the way of Jesus. It's, so what we are, we are we're, we're the church. You know what the church is? It's the body of Christ. So all of us who are here who say, what are we saying? Our mission statement even is to invite you. If you aren't a follower of Jesus, we're inviting you <clears throat> into a life of following Jesus. Now, following him means I'm actually trying to become like him. See, and if I become like him, then I have the ability to power underneath and power up my 
children, power up my wife, power you up as a pastor of the church. So Jesus always brings life out of other people, and then he puts you in positions of power and authority so that you can use that influence to bring life into other people. That's our mission. So what did Jesus do? Was he engaged? Oh my goodness, that's what Christmas is, you guys. What are you gonna celebrate? What are we gonna celebrate? Jesus is up in high heaven, man. It's all good. Uh Uh-uh, I am coming down and I am going to engage with you. And then while he was here, Emmanuel, God with us, what did he do? He shared in the life of humanity. So what did that allow Jesus to do? It says says he has empathy now. This amazing verse, Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. See, Jesus came down and he shared in the life of humanity so we have a God who can empathize now with us. And when you share in somebody and you empathize, then what does it cause you to do? You'll serve. And so Jesus says, and I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And again, started right off in a manger. And then all of his days, all he did was serve. And then at the very end of his life, he's coming in and everybody's like, whoa, the king is here, the Messiah is here. And what's he doing? Riding the donkey. So he would fulfill the prophecy that says what? See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. The most powerful being over all things. He comes into town. And then he ends his life on the cross. Because he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He didn't come to lord it over anyone. He didn't want to power any of us down. He came to be the servant to power all of us to be able to have life. That's the way of Jesus. So if we're going to do this, how can we do this? Because in in a great book, there's a great book on leadership, you guys, and it's called The Servant. If you want to write this down, any of you in leadership, it's called The Servant by James Hunter. Super easy read and extremely powerful. Here's what he says. The role of a leader is to identify and meet the legitimate needs of the people you lead. The role of a leader is to identify and meet the legitimate needs of the people that you lead. When it tells us that Jesus was a high priest who I'm sorry, who empathizes with our weaknesses, it says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What Jesus did is he identified the need. These people cannot follow God. They can't do it. And if they don't get in line with God, if they stay separated from God, they will live an eternal separation from him. They will die. 
And so he comes and he meets that need. That's what Jesus does. As a leader, you need to be someone who says, what are the needs of my children? Do you know the needs of your kids? Now, by the way, it's not their wants, <laughs> right? You aren't trying to meet their wants. And that's true of any of you who are overseeing anything. You're, most of you guys who are overseeing employees, I'm sure some of your employees have some wants that you probably shouldn't meet. But if they have legitimate needs, then we need to be meeting them. Now, I don't need to explain this more. What we really need to do, like Jesus is point blank clear. Hey, if you're gonna follow me, Quit putting yourself over other people and powering them down. Don't make it about you. Instead, get underneath them and make it about them. Okay? All right, team? Let's go. Yeah, whatever. Good luck. But Jesus does say this. He says this. Listen. He goes, the wise person is the one who hears my words and puts them into practice. The foolish person who's, who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice so here, I'm going to give you a very clear application. Because there's, my goodness, by the way, if you want servant leadership, there's books out the gazoo on this stuff, right? So let me just tell you one thing. Here's your one application. Go home today and make a list of the people, make a list of your children, and make a list of the people that you oversee, that you actually have authority over. And then write down what they Just write it down. This will be a great exercise for you. What do the people that I lead actually need? Now, two things though. What do they need so that their own life will flourish? And what do they need so that your family will flourish? Because <laughs> right, your kids are a part of something bigger. And if you're, if you're a boss, if you oversee employees, you want to look at the people that you oversee and you want to say, man, what do they legitimately need so that they can flourish? But really, what do you really need to think about? What do they legitimately need so that our whole organization flourishes? <laughs> See, God looks at the big picture. He wants the church, even here at K2, he wants the whole church to flourish. And so he looks at us and says, what do you guys need? I, do you, honestly, so like even as the pastor of the church or of those of us who are in leadership here, as I'm studying for this, I realize, what do I need to do? I need to go, what do you guys need? What does K2, the church, need? And he, Jesus makes it really clear. They need the word of God. You guys need to be taught. That's why we meet here every Sunday, because you need to know the truth, because only the truth sets you free. Not your idea of God, not your opinion of God, only what's true about God. So we need to teach you that. You know what else he says? You, they need to be in community. It's the body that only happens. You can only experience the fullness of Jesus in relationship with each other. So that's why we provide our life together groups and serving teams and places to act. Because if, if you don't do this, Jesus just goes, you will never experience me. So see, we, even as a leadership, we look at what the legitimate needs you have to receive his word, to be in relationship, to discover who he made you to be and to be living on purpose and on mission with him. And that's why we do here what we do, all right? So, and you know, true, as members of K2, you guys can have the same mindset as we do, though. What are the legitimate needs of K2? And if I'm a servant, if you want to be great, if you want to be first, then God says what? Then be a servant, and so you guys can say, well, what are the legitimate needs of this church? 
right? And so we have needs in Adventure Canyon to love on our kids. We have the youth ministry. We have the worship. We shared with you last week financially. We are at the end of the year, and we have a legitimate financial need to be able to keep moving forward. And you just go, okay, I'm a servant. I'm not here for me. I'm laying my life down because I didn't come to be served. Did you come to be served or did you come to serve? If Jesus literally is in you, then that's what you'll do, okay? And now let me just close with this. This can't be just by our effort. There is a power source to do this. Ken Blanchard says this, servant leadership is easy for people with high self-esteem. That interesting? Like Jesus. <laughs> he had pretty good self-esteem. He knew who he was. And because of that, he could get on his knees and serve. And then Martin Luther King says this, everybody can be great. Isn't this awesome? Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. Thought that was funny, especially being married to an English major. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul that's generated by love. Okay, so look at this. Philippians 2 says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, have the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Okay, 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 you want, here's our application for today. Ready, do what? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, power others up. Value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be, something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. You guys, God... <laughs> came down. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And he came down and he said, can I show you how life works? Because I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. And I can tell you this right now. If you would let me in, I would love through you. And I want to tell you, man, because look at that. Now go back. Can you go back really quick to verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1? Look at what it says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from what? Being united with Christ. If your spirit is actually one with Jesus' spirit. Oh, that's good. Okay, good. If you have any comfort from his love. Can I just ask you, how many of you today feel Loved by God. Because huh. I can tell you this, man, when he has poured his love into your heart, you want some self-esteem? You, you want to feel really good about yourself? Be loved by God who knows everything about you and still loves you. 
The most powerful thing on this planet is to be fully known with all of your sin and to be loved. And when you have comfort from that love, you get secure. And then you're united with Christ. And then what his life, and if you have any common sharing in the spirit. So you guys, this is the power source right here. The only hope that I have, and I have it, is because when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he saves you. He saves you. The first thing he does is forgive you. Some of you need forgiveness because you have powered down your wife. You have powered down your husband. You have powered down your children. You've powered down employees. It's all about you and you use people. And that is abusive and it's destructive. And God says, I will take you down. I don't know about you. I'd rather be saved by God than taken down by God. And Christmas is Jesus saying, hey, if you know right now you're against God in the way you live and you can't stop, you can't stop because you're insecure, because you think your identity is based on everything going right, whatever it is, then let me forgive you. Confess that sin to me and I will forgive you and then I will cleanse you and then I'll put my spirit in you. And my spirit powers people up. My spirit looks for ways to serve. My spirit always values the other person above myself. My spirit creates life and relationship and love and unity. And so the first thing you got to do if you're going to do this, you guys, is you need Jesus to save you. And you have a savior. That's why Christmas is here, all right? And then the rest of us, band, you guys can come on up. The rest of us, those of us who have, some of us, right? You're a Christian, man. You're like, I do believe in Jesus. I know he's forgiven me of my sin. I know his spirit resides in me. But the truth is, man, I'm still like super angry. I still lord it over people. You guys, here's, here's the best news in all the world. You can make on a regular basis, Jesus as the king of your heart. Because that's what you're really doing. Even when you, and when you get saved, what you do is you let Jesus come in as the king of your heart. And what does this king do? <laughs> Hops on a donkey, puts himself up on a cross, and rules that way. Okay? So if you and I, I this is the biggest thing I'm learning. If you're a Christian and you're in position of authority, and you know right now, I'm, not, I'm powering down. I hope today you realize that you need to confess that to God as sin. If you are lording it over other people, then that's not of Jesus. You're not following Jesus if that's how you do it. You need to confess that him to him today. And that's how we do this. Anytime we catch ourselves doing this, the first thing you do is you confess it. Catch yourself quickly and confess it and agree with Jesus and say, God, I know this is not right. And man, I don't know about you, but then you gotta go apologize, right? I don't know how many times I've had to apologize to my kids, apologize to my staff, apologize to people who go to here to K2, because I'm human. Anybody else in here human? Okay. But I confess it in 
And then what I'm learning is, and now Jesus, live in me, help me, empower me. Sometimes I need to pray that when I'm coming home from work because I'm exhausted and I'm like, oh, I just want them to be perfect. Will you empower me to love my wife when I get home? To power up my kids. Every meeting, every encounter tomorrow, you can ask Jesus who's in you. You can be united in spirit. Know his love. Share with him. And then you can live So let the king of your heart, let Jesus be the king of your heart and humble you, love on you, serve you so you can humble and love and serve. All right? That's what we need to do. So let's stand together and our team's gonna lead us in a song, a few songs now to worship because that's what worship is, you guys. Here's a chance for you. Don't just sing some songs. Give him your heart right now. Let him be the king of your heart so that he can change you, so that you can lead and rule like Jesus does. Let's do it.